Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. I'm glad that you're here today because we're going to have a conversation about a topic that's not an easy topic uh, because it acknowledges that the kids that we minister to go through some hard things. And we need to not only be ministers who bring joy and fun and excitement, which we need to, right? We need to be enthusiastic about the gospel and about God's word and all the great things that come through relationship with Jesus. And we are. But at the same time, we also need to be prepared to meet kids in times of sorrow and difficulty and hard things that they go through. Our kids that we serve here in Generation Alpha and Gen Z have been through some really difficult things through COVID uh, that affected their childhood, in many cases disrupted their their childhood, their normal patterns of school and connection with friends and birthday parties and graduations. And there are many, many, many kids who have lost people who were close to them through that process. And loss continues in many ways. And so kids are dealing with real uh, emotional pain and grief, and we need to know how to meet them there. And so we want to have a conversation about that today. And so joining me on the podcast today is Dr. Shelley Melia at Dallas Baptist University. Shelley, welcome. It's good to have you back. Thank you. It's great to be here, Chuck. Well, so let's let's talk about this topic of of meeting kids in their sadness and their sorrow and their grief. Uh, we generally, kids ministry tends to be an upbeat, happy place. We bring energy and excitement. And so in the midst of that, it may be hard for some of us to know how to speak to kids who are hurting or who are going through hard things. And that's, you know, that's, I think that's common. Is that, would you agree with that? That that's a hard thing for most of us? Right. I, I think that it's it's very hard because we we want it to be fun and upbeat. And I, I think that actually makes a really good point in the sense that um, as we think about what we're teaching kids, um, this idea of loss and suffering has to be a part of their theology. They have to understand and know that even though I love Jesus, there's going to be some hard things that happen to me. And it's not because there isn't a God and it's not because I did something. It's because we live in a world where everyone dies, right? And there's going to be that sense of loss. And so I do think that we, we do have a tendency at times to, to create a theology that just doesn't include hard things. Um, it, it only include, includes the fun, happy things. Um, and I can give you an example. For instance, like even when we teach a story like, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, one of the things that we may pull out and try to teach in that moment is God always protects. Right? God protects us. Um, and the reality is that he protected Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. And they even acknowledge that even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down. But if we're teaching a theology that says God always protects and then we have kids in our ministry where God didn't protect someone that they love, then they've got sort of this interesting dilemma of, well, what what does it mean that God didn't protect my loved one? Does it mean there's God or does it mean that I did something? And so I, I think you make a really good point that um, part of what we've got to do is, is create um, a theology that we're teaching kids that says things are going to be hard. God's going to be with us and we're going to be with you, too, as a community of faith. And that's the hope that we have is that that, that this world is not 
the end, but also that God gave us each other to help us through these difficult times. So to start with just acknowledging that pain and hurt and difficulty and grief are normal is, is and not to be ignored, right, or brushed off is something that we need to be aware of as leaders. Uh, you know, it, there are kids in our spaces every day who are going through difficult things. And we may or may not be aware of all of those things, but it's safe to say that there are kids who are in our ministry programs who are going through hard things, kids and their families who are. So in that, how, how do we recognize uh, grief in a child? Um, and then what, what do you do or say in those situations? I, you know, I think, uh, even when we, sometimes when we do know what's going on, we don't know what to say. And so the tendency is not to say anything and that that's probably not the best thing to do. Yeah. I think you've asked several good questions. There, there's um, a few. I'll, I'll tee you up with all of those and let you, let you go. See, which one do I want to answer? Uh, so let's go with, first of all, what do I do? Because I think we're doers. I think mm. as children we're doers and we just want to do what's right right and so um i would say two things be present and be practical Mm. right and so what that means is even in the midst of our uncertainty even in the midst of our angst with a loss that a child is experiencing there's times when children go through things and it kind of it, it it it's hard for us to imagine why does this child have to go through this? And so it brings up some of our own questions, but just to be present, just to show up and, and you don't have to say all the right things. You just have to be there. And then also just to be practical, um, to, to provide and meet tangible needs to, to make sure that when a child looks back and thinks about that really hard time that they had in their life, that they remember the way the church helped them, that they remember the way the children's minister helped them. And and, and those can be simple things, um, simple things like providing food for the family, like going in and purchasing school supplies for a child whose family is going through something right around school. I mean, thinking to yourself, what can I do practically and tangibly that communicates we're here? We love God. We love you. And because of that, we want to be here for you. And so um, doing doesn't mean fixing. Uh, it doesn't mean having the right answer. It just means being present and being practical. So that's kind of the, what do you do? What do you say? Um, I think is what really is hard for us. Yeah. Um, because when we don't know what to say, we just kind of start talking or we don't say anything. So if you say anything, you're sending the message you don't care, which is not true. We know that we do care. And if you just start talking, sometimes you say things that just aren't helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you you say some of those cliches and some of those things that may not even be biblical, but it makes you feel better. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think when we think about being, think about what we want to say, um, first of all, we need to understand that, um, that we're not, what we say is not going to solve the problem. It may create more of a problem, but it's certainly not going to solve the problem. And so we want to be honest with kids. We want to acknowledge what it is that's happened. Um, we want to be age appropriate. Um, and we just want to be patient and know that the conversation that we have with them right after a loss um, is not the only conversation we're going to have with them, that we're going to have opportunities all throughout their lifetime, um, hopefully to, to minister to them. And so really guarding against um, saying things like, well, God needed your dad in heaven, or 
um, you must be really strong or all things work together for good. Those are, those are, that's a true statement. That's probably not what that person, you know, needs to, needs to hear right now. So I think the greatest gift that we can give is just our presence. It's just saying, yeah, I've never been through what you've been through, but I want you to know I love you. I'm here for you. I'd like to take you to get ice cream or I'd like to, whatever it might be, um, just being very practical. Uh, because grief does look different uh, than adults. I think we tend to want to be problem solvers and fixers. And so, as you said, I heard you uh, talk about the idea of presence is probably more important than what I have to say, just my presence there. The, so the goal... Uh, as we uh, come alongside uh, a child or a family who is going through something difficult, it sounds like the goal that we should walk in with is not to try to fix it and not to try to make them, not to justify or reconcile for them why this is happening, but okay. really just to come to be there and show them we care. You, um, a child, an adult is going to have to grapple with the meaning of it. That's that's one of the great tasks of loss is how do I make meaning from this? How do I understand this? And see, you, Chuck, can't tell me what my meaning is. Yeah. I have to walk through it with God, sometimes with a counselor, to say, man, I'm struggling with this, but I want to try to understand it. And here's how I think I'm making meaning from it. But that's one of the great gifts of faith is faith allows us to try to make meaning. Um, the opposite of that would be hopeless, meaning there is no meaning. This yeah. is just a just a terrible place and there's no hope. But our faith allows us to say, I don't understand it right now, but I think I'm going to be able to make meaning from it at some point. And so you look at the story of Job, for instance, mm -hmm. his friends, you know, all those horrible things happen to Job. His friends come, they don't even recognize him because they saw how great his suffering was. And the Bible says they sat with him for seven days and didn't say a word. And they started off really good, right? When they sat with him. Yeah. Yeah. And then it kind of went downhill from there. But at the same time, that was part of Job's meaning making. He yeah. needed to express some of that stuff. He needed to be able to explore some of those things. And, and God met him where he was at. And in the end, he had his meaning. He had even God's blessing. But there was a lot of messy stuff, you know, in between. And so... Definitely, um, we can't impose our meaning onto somebody else. And that requires patience and grace. And it puts, uh, you know, it makes us say, we don't always know the mind of God, which, yeah. by the way, I think that's biblical. We don't know the mind of God. And so we have to be careful. When we don't have an answer, we make up an answer. And that's not helpful, you know, for kids. It's not helpful for adults. Um, and so I think those are some of the challenges that we face. Mm -hmm. What is it? What does a child's grief look like? What What's normal? Yeah, I think that's one of the most important things we can do, even for parents, is to normalize. This is a normal response to an abnormal event, mm -hmm. right? And so, when we think about a child, um, children process uh, grief in bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. So, you and I, we hear of a loss immediately. We feel the full brunt of the impact. We understand that it means I lost this person today, but it means I've, I'm losing him tomorrow. I won't have him here 20 years from now. I won't yeah. have a wedding anniversary party of 50 years. You know, we understand all of those things and we sort of grieve all those things pretty intensely uh, in yes. the beginning. As one big avalanche that kind of hits us all at once. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and kids, God has gifted them 
in some ways with a coping mechanism that's related to their development in the sense that they can only grieve like, okay, this person is not here right now. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. They don't understand what it's going to feel like to be a 13 year old or a, uh, on my wedding day, what it's going to feel like not to have a parent or whatever those things. And so, so they're going to do it bits and pieces, which means they're going to move in and out of emotion. So that, that's why you see kids at a funeral home and, and maybe they lost a parent and they seem childlike. They mm-hmm. seem like they're, uh, acting like a child would act. Maybe they, they run up to the casket and they have an emotional moment and 10 minutes later, they're playing tag in the back, knocking over the plant, mm-hmm. you know, because that's who they are. And God gave them that ability to move in and out of it. So it's different. Um, their cognitive ability impacts it. Very young children don't understand death, don't understand the finality of death. Um, and so they're not going to respond in the same ways. They don't have words for what they're feeling. So you're going to see it in behaviors. Uh, so that's where you see regression, where where kids seem to be moving back towards things like potty training and things that maybe they've already clearly um, gotten over that hurdle. And now all of a sudden they're back. Uh, in that sense, they, they may have nightmares. They may have a lot of things that are physical, um, that are hints that they know something's not right. They just can't, you know, sort of put their, put their words into it. And so, um, so kids are very nearsighted. They see what's right in front of them. They react to what's right in front of them. Um, and adults tend to be much more farsighted knowing what's coming in the future. Um, and then maybe the last thing that I would say, um, is that it's a long-term process. Um, they are going, they, they can only grieve what they can understand in that moment. That's why we say kids grieve at every age and stage. Mm-hmm. So as they, they have a loss when they're a preschooler, um, when they're a, a elementary child and they understand the finality, they may, they may have more grief than big events, graduation, weddings, um, times when everybody else has their loved ones with them and they don't, things are going to sort of bubble up and pop up. And, and we can, as adults think, well, gosh, that happened eight years ago. Why is this child now having such a, such a moment? And it's because we've forgotten that they're just now realizing what it means to lose their father at 13, that they didn't understand what it meant to lose their father at five or whoever it might be. Um, and so, uh, we have short attention spans, I think, to suffering, and this requires a longer attention span um, to acknowledge and to normalize with parents, to normalize what's what they can expect. Mm-hmm. And we have a uh, limited opportunity during our ministry times that are scheduled when we are with kids. So it's important for us to be aware of what's happening in a child's life. There, there could be a lesson for us there too, right? To not be so involved in what we need to say that we're not able to listen. We know that listening is an important part of ministry to Gen Alpha and Gen Z, uh, to be aware of what's going on, but then to realize that a lot of the processing of grief is going to happen in the home and outside of the church setting so how can we come alongside parents through seasons like this to educate them, uh, but also to just be be present in practical ways for them? Yeah, I think um, helping them know, again, what's normal uh, for their child, but also for them to recognize that they are also, you know, they're also grieving and they're also uh, experiencing things and, and may have had even their belief system sort of shaken by this event um, and how they respond 
is going to impact how their kids respond. So encouraging um, self-care, I think is really important. Helping them know that the best thing that they can do for their child is to take care of themselves. And that's not a selfish thing. That's recognizing that my kids are going to, they're going to watch how I do it. And that's going to impact how they do it. And so giving permission, giving encouragement, giving resources to say, hey, mom, dad, grandparent, caregiver, whoever it is, um, what is it you're doing to take care of you? I, I know you care about your child. We all, that, that's the first thing we think about is how am I going to help the child? But how are you taking care of, how are you taking care of you? So as churches, you know, providing things like grief share, providing counseling services, um, so that they know they're getting the support, uh, that they need, uh, from the church. And so as we minister to the parents, that's going to flow down, you know, to the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, as, as children's ministers, I think we're more and more aware that that we are trying to holistically minister to the whole family that we can't just mm-hmm. can't just minister to the kids um, and so you know there, there's there's things that we can do just to say to that parent that grandparent whoever they're they're taking care of hey take care of you and here's some ideas uh, and even um, and even just calling them out and asking them what are you doing to take care of yourself because I think a lot of times we think our priority has to be the kids. So we'll get counseling for the kids. We'll get them in this. We'll provide this, this, and this. But we don't recognize that we're we're sort of the key. And so we've got to take care of ourselves. And that it extends beyond our ability as kids leaders to do it all. We, we really need to be in, uh, involved at a church-wide level uh, to minister to that whole family. Yeah. So what, through times of grief, um, and difficulty, it's natural that uh, that kids would have big questions about God in those moments uh, that might come out. How can we be prepared to address those big questions? Yeah. You know, kids don't always initially verbalize those questions. And, um, and I think um, that adults struggle with that, too. Mm-hmm. How, how do I how do I think about God now that what I thought about him didn't play out the way I thought it would? Does that make sense? Yes. How do I reconcile this tragedy with maybe a theology in my mind that said, if I do a plus B, then C is going to happen. If I, if I do these good things, good things, good things are going to happen. And that, and that is kind of a fallacy that a lot of us carry, right? It was that when we give our lives to, to God, when we follow Jesus, that everything is going to be good and easy. Mm-hmm. And in reality, that's not the promise, right? It's not that we will be spared from hard things. It's that God will walk with us through those hard things. That's hard yeah, to comprehend I, for a lot of, for a lot of people. It is. And I think sometimes just acknowledging the struggle of, of living in a fallen world is important just to acknowledge that they're suffering. I think one of the things that we can do, um, because I, I think that we find that we might say something like, I just don't know who God is. Like, I thought he was a protector. I thought he was a healer. Yeah. I don't really know who he is anymore. And so I think one of the things that we can do is say, you know, there's a lot of things that we don't know and understand about God. Yeah. But there are some things we do know. Tell me some things that you do know about God. Um, and so kind of shifting that. But also, I think as we as we travel uh, life with kids, 
that we we help them see God even in the midst of difficult times. So there's a really great clip from um, uh, Mr. Rogers where he talks about looking for the helpers. Yes, in I know the one. Yeah. So what I say is, you know, we want to help kids look for God as well. Mm-hmm. So um, we as as ministers and as people who want to minister to people, uh, we can say, hey, I love you guys. I love God. I really just want to do something for you. Can I mow your lawn? Can I do those things? But also we can point our kids to that. We can say, do you know why so-and-so did that? It's because they love God and they love us. And that's what we do when people are hurting. And so we actually have a very important role of being Jesus with skin on, of being the hands and feet of Jesus. And so in a, in a healthy faith community, the faith community rises to the occasion when there's grief and their loss and helping kids see the reason they're doing those things is because they love God. They love us. What you do. And that's God's way of helping us in this time. So, you know, acknowledging those hard questions, acknowledging we don't always have those answers. Also acknowledging that, you know, this is not a new question. The disciples asked Jesus in John chapter nine, when they saw the the man that had been blind since birth, said, who sinned? This man or his parents, they were trying to trying to understand the suffering. And Jesus said, neither. Uh, this is so that I might be glorified. You think about the book of Job. Some people say it's the one of the very first books that was penned. And it's about suffering. In it, and in the very first verse, it talks about how Job was righteous and had no fault. You know, and so you hear you have a really righteous person having all of those bad things happen to him. And so you know, sort of pointing out those things and giving them permission to, to struggle, to, to say, yeah, I don't have the answer, but I'll be happy to journey along with you. I'll be happy to listen to what you have to say. Um, but I think kids and adults see through when you're hurting, the last thing you want is some cliche answer. Yeah. You want somebody to empathize with you and say, man, that is such a tough question. And, and and then being able to to acknowledge it, but then also to say, I don't really know the answer to that question. But what I do know is that when I've been through hard things, God has helped me and I know he's going to help you too. Yeah. Um, and so we acknowledge what we don't know. And then we talk about what we do because we are dealers in hope, right? We, we want to help kids see the hope. We want kids to find the meaning of things. And so, so we've got to do sort of both of those things, acknowledge the difficulty and deal in hope and, and, and pray that as they journey through, just like Job and just like others, um, that they will sort of get through that difficulty and come out with probably a more solid theology of who God is. Hmm. That's not influenced by sort of our Western idea of everything's just going to be great as long as we follow Jesus. Yeah. We and uh, the as I mature and get older, I guess the two don't necessarily always go together. But as I as I mature and get older, I become more and more aware that there are many, many, many people who are dealing with really heavy and difficult things, who are carrying a lot of grief and sorrow. You may not be know that because they don't all share that outwardly, but. The more I talk with people, I realize there's a lot of people who are struggling under the surface and sometimes don't feel comfortable with that. Like they feel something is wrong if they're struggling or or sad. And I think of Ecclesiastes 3, that there's a season for everything. There's a time to mourn and a time to dance. And the truth is every person 
at some point in life is going to go through sorrow, pain, and grief. It just, it's inevitable. So it's not good for us to ignore that. And I think there was even a, an article I read that talked about even worship music today. And it, it made the observation that there's very little lament, yeah. but there's very little opportunity for people to express. It's, it's the happy, clappy, everything's great type of a atmosphere that we create in church. Um, and we don't always acknowledge the heart because I think that that's uncomfortable for us. We want, we want to have the answer. We want to be able to package it and sell the answer in some ways. And so um, I, I think that our world today and our kids today are desperately wanting to know, you know, how do I get through this really hard stuff? Yeah. Um, how did you do it? How, how, how did you work through this horrible tragedy and still be able to trust God? Yeah. Um, and that doesn't happen in a 30 second time, uh, soundbite on, on stage. That that's life on life. That's um, hard conversations. That's uh, the two-way radio, yeah. not a megaphone, right? We talked about yeah. uh, in previous podcasts that we really have to uh, sit and listen um, and empathize and trust the process. You know, the process, when we look at Job, that was a process. We've got to trust the process and know that when we're seeking God, when we start that conversation, He's going to show up. Yeah. It just may be a little messy. It may not be have a bow on it like we want it to have on it. Um, and we will never understand some of the suffering in this lifetime. Uh, but we can trust the God who made us, the God who loves us, um, to, to, to journey with us and to provide those people in our life to help us get through those difficult things. And it strikes me that we you can't comfort someone effectively from a platform. That happens yeah. side by side in the context of a caring, trusting relationship. And so one of the most important things we can do is have genuine, real connections with our kids where they know that we care for them before they come into uh, times of grief and difficulty so that when they happen, we can be present in a way that we're a friend sitting with them and walking with them. Dr. Shelly Melia, thank you so much for joining us today and for uh, for sharing about this. Now, Shelly will be at the Etch Conference in October, and this is the topic of a breakout seminar that she will be leading there. So listeners, if this is something that you need more of, you can come to the Etch uh, Next Gen Ministry Conference. Uh, details are at etchconference.com. And make sure you look through those breakouts for Shelly's session on grief and spend some time coming together uh, in person. One of the great things about coming to Etch is it's an opportunity for us as preschool kids and student ministry leaders to come together with other people who do what we do, who are dealing with the things we're dealing with, some of them who are ahead of us, who can coach and guide and lead us, mentor us, and others that we might lead uh, them, uh, and others that we walk side by side in the same season. So we want to invite you uh, to, to look at your calendar, October 9, 10, and 11 and to consider joining us here in Nashville with your team at the Etch Next Gen Ministry Conference. Shelly, thank you so much for being here today. 
You're welcome. I look forward to seeing y'all in Nashville. And listeners, thank you for listening. We uh, know that we're praying for you. The churches who who we serve through Lifeway Kids uh, are are we we want to partner well with you in ministry. And so, uh, may the Lord bless you as you serve the kids and families in your areas, in your communities, and in your contexts uh, as you lead them to find Jesus and as you comfort them through their difficulties. Thank you for listening. We'll see you back again soon for another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast.